Welcome to Writer Syndrome, a podcast about writing from start to finish. This episode's topic, getting into finding your voice. I'm Russ Cavasso and joining me as always is Tim Lutney. You lost your voice, bud. I did lose my voice for a second there. <laughs> I lost my voice, my train of thought. I'm Russ. That's Tim over there. You can't see him, but he's right there. He's I can see him. So you listener, you can see him basically. There you go. Yeah, there we go. That's, that's more my voice. Uh, so yeah, I don't know, Tim. Have you found your voice? Clearly, I haven't found mine this morning. <laughs> This morning, no. As a writer, I think I'm getting there. Yeah, I think um, it's evolved yeah. over over the years and matured a little bit. But yeah, I feel relatively confident in my like narrative voice. How about you? I well, first commenting on yours because uh, I mean I've read other stuff you've written. You sent me some right, but we did like screenplay yeah, stuff over like, the years. And I would say I don't know reading your book and at least going through like that version. I went through so that draft I went through so many times ago. I was like, oh yeah, this is Tim. <laughs> and I've heard that before. These are words I can't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I have to look this one up. <laughs> Even um in my twenties when I was part of a writers group. Now this is obviously people who know me, but they were saying, oh you know it really sounds like you, and I, I think that's one of something you should aim for, right? You shouldn't create like an avatar or a pretend voice. You shouldn't be wearing a costume. You should try to be as authentically yourself as you can. Agreed. While also adapting to different characters, right? And that's what was interesting for me this time around. Looking way back in my 20s when I'd wrote my first failed novel about a cannibal love story. Hey, no novel's a failure. It was, um, it wasn't first person. I'm thinking back to it. Yeah. Um, but it felt that way because the narrator was such a strong presence. It was yeah. like really omniscient third. And it was really me, really bad. You know, <laughs> it was really try hardy and really cringy. Yeah. And I've looked back at it recently. I was like, who was I trying to impress? Yeah. You know? And I, yeah. I think that's part of it. But even then, unfortunately, I guess people were saying, wow, that sounds a lot like you talk. And now I'm like, oh, man, that's not a compliment. Hopefully, I the way I speak now is a little more enjoyable. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I think going through, I mean, this is like the first, obviously, novel I've written. But going through Jose, definitely the first draft, I felt the same way. It was in first person, and I felt really tryhardy, and it felt too forced and felt like, oh, frankly, I didn't know, like, I didn't know what I was doing. And I think after reading that first draft, I was like, as I've said before, it's like, oh, this is this is kind of garbage. And and I get the same thing now when people read read host now, they're like, oh, I can definitely hear your voice. Like people who I mm. just kind of I know somewhat I've met like recently and given a book to and they've kind of interacted with me for a little bit. They're like, wow, I can totally hear you. I can hear your voice in this. And I've got close friends who are like, man, I can just I can just hear you reading this to me right now. That's uh, great. Which I think is, I was like, at first I was like, oh, is it just too much me? But I was like, oh, I think that's actually a good thing. Yeah, right? I think that's the point. I think, I think it's that's the point, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, I found my own voice. I've already found that, I think. But once you put it into writing and mixing it into whatever genres you like, I think is what makes it unique and kind of changes. Yeah, I think looking back to um, my old, old work, it was still me, although wearing some influences maybe a little too heavily on my shoulder, like Fred Easton yeah. Ellis or Chuck Palnock or Don DeLillo, yeah. whatever I was influenced by that time. But really trying, like, so try hard and really trying to be smart and critical and, you know, yeah. have a commentary. And I tried to use a little of that because that's still part of me, right? I tried to use a little of that for um, my main a little bit at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you, I have like a little bit of a concern now that I'm querying, right? Because they often want the first 10 pages. Yep. And I want to say, this is her voice you know, this, she changes, right? right so right. this isn't just me trying to be edgy and shocking or, you know, 
anti-establishment. This is how the character's feeling, and she evolves through that. Yeah. It's interesting. So I was happy I could kind of tap into my past and yeah. use that a little bit, yeah. and hoping I can add some of the, the perspective I've had over the past 15 years of growing up and in living yeah. um, to give it some nuance and make it less, just less try-hardy and less yeah. inauthentic. Did yeah. you have, um, I know there's like tips and tricks for finding your voice. Did you go through any of those activities or exercises? Uh, I didn't. I don't think I, because I didn't, like I'd heard of it and I knew about it. I knew about the concept of finding your voice, but I never really looked up like how you go about what are the, what, what's out there to, to go and you know, <laughs> to find that. And I think it actually just came through multiple, like multiple drafts. And honestly, having like you read it, having, you know, our other friends of ours read like early versions and, um, and even my mom actually was pretty, you know, pretty big influence. And she's like, yeah, you got to write, write some of these scenes a little more like your humor, your sense of humor, your, you know, your banter you have with your friends and like that will shine through and stand out a bit more. Yeah. It's like, okay. Um, so no, I didn't really look up, you know, the, the different tips and tricks to finding, like I never did the, you know, copying authors I really like, cause I feel like I've just been kind of on the behind the you know uh it, it doesn't run, need like, to be exhaustive i mean i'd say like pick no, a page just to see i mean the nice thing about finding yeah. a voice and finding your own voice is that it's not really magic if you look down it's yeah. really a simple formula of like word choice sentence structure and whatever literary devices you're using yeah i just don't you don't want to have to bend i think like trying to be somebody that you're not for the whole novel, I think would just be absolutely exhausting. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. And I think but, like, I think going into it though, my thought was like, Oh, well, I should say maybe there was a little bit, it wasn't deliberate, but it was just subconscious thought of like, okay, what authors do I like? Also more specifically mm -hmm. like reading, reading authors in the genre that I'm writing for and just yeah. getting a sense more of like the style of that. But I think honestly, if anyone there was a, if I was going to say I would copy their style, it probably would have been, um, uh, Ernest Klein, like the Ready Player One, like I really mm. enjoyed that book. I enjoyed the airiness of it. I liked how how it moved. I liked the pacing of it and just kind of um, the fun it was. It was just fun book to read. And I was like, okay, yeah. I like this, and I kind of that's kind of fits my personality style, and I really enjoyed it. So I was like, if there was any author or any style, I think I was copying for this book, it probably would have mm. been Ready Player One, to be honest. Um, it's interesting to like, think about your voice yeah. and genre expectations, and what if your yeah. voice doesn't match the genre you're interested in. I'm Maybe worried you're about adding that. a unique perspective. <laughs> yeah, I'm it? actually worried about that for mine. Cause yeah. I don't, cause like, you know, I label it as a techno thriller, a thriller, espionage thriller. Um, obviously there's sci-fi in there too, but, and I read a lot in that genre. And honestly, I'm reading another one today. We'll talk about it later on, but I'm just like, I, I think I'm already bored with this book. Like I get it, <laughs> but it's like, do, do I belong in the category? Cause like, I think people who would pick up like, like a Tom Clancy book or, or anything else that fits in a techno, the, the, you know, the, the techno thriller genre mm -hmm. and came across my book, they, it might be like a little too light for them or a little too airy and fun. I think, I mean, personally, and I should right? say people enjoy it. People fun could also be reading a Tom Clancy book and knowing about how to take apart a gun for an entire chapter and put it back but that together. Could be a different, that's probably a different audience. Right. But maybe True. you're introducing, yeah. maybe you're like the gateway book into you know, espionage fun. thrillers because you make it fun and then they get to Clancy and they're like learning about boat motors. Boat motors for two chapters. <laughs> I'll say like up until this point, you know, I read mostly literary fiction. Yeah. Minus like King and Clive Barker and stuff when I was younger. Having jumped so hard into like genre fiction and horror and thrillers in general, if anything, my voice is probably closer to King yeah but for contemporary yeah. authors it's often limited third person tonally different than what i write like i'm very much drawn towards literary 
syntax. Like I like prose. I like the sound right. of nice sentences and, yep. and maybe that could be perceived as try hardy, but that's me, man. Like that's, and, and I like the idea of having a, a literary fiction take on horror, yeah. you know, kind of like oh, yeah. high concept, low brow. Like I loved, and I've mentioned it before, Colson Whitehead's yep. stab at horror. Like it was just absolutely beautiful. I, I, I was really, really impressed by it. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, can you do literary horror? Is that a thing? Like, is yeah. there an audience for that? Yeah, yeah. Have you, so I have hope you so. <laughs> <laughs> there is, there's, a, there's, there's an audience for everything. Um, just depends on how big it is. Uh, so but I also you... say too, like back to voice, this one last thing is that yeah. I am not aiming as high. I mean, like I am not, that's why I think I can land it at King a little bit. I don't write as nice as like Pynchon, you know, I, I can't pull together the sentences that Delilo does, yeah. but I have, but they inspire me. And those are the books that I read out loud to myself. Like I love this, the, the cadence and syncopation of well-structured sentences, which isn't always something that you get in, in horror. And we can talk about it later, but I'm reading Hell House by Richard Matheson and there it, there's no flow. I don't want to yeah. read that out loud at all. So did you, have you ever actually gone through the exercise? Cause so I, in my research for this, this topic, uh, I came across a lot of people saying like, copy the authors you really love and read a lot of, you know, list out your favorite authors and your favorite genres. And, you know, obviously read that genre. So you understand expectations and, you know, what aspects of those that appeals to you. Mm. Um, and then, you know, obviously pull out the authors you really like and, and actually go through the exercise of like maybe copying and rewriting some of their, their pages. Obviously no plagiarism here, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. just to get an understanding of their word choice and actually doing that. Have you ever actually done that for as, like a, as an exercise? So we had, so in my undergrad, we did it because I took a bunch of creative writing classes. So at the time, yeah. you know, it was Delilo and it was Chuck Palnock and stuff like that. Um, and then I'll say that I didn't do it in preparation for this novel, but I did it as a gut check. Um, maybe when I was around act two, because I was like, yeah. Am I even making sense? You know, you get that moment of like, <laughs> what do I even sound like? Yeah. So just to kind of see where I was falling and as an exercise, not for things that I wanted to mimic, but just as an exploration, I copied like some Cormac McCarthy. I, not that this is that, or I, I, I tried writing something in the style of uh, Jose Saramanga with blindness where he has like, it's not stream of conscious, but there's no paragraph breaks. There's no quotations. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then... For the horror genre, I did. I wrote out some King. I wrote out some Cutter just to see. And honestly, to kind of demystify, because there is, I think as you're reading, you get into a flow. And if it, the writing is good, the words can kind of drift away. And by giving yourself a moment to sit down and copy a paragraph or a page, you see the tools that are at play. You see what yeah. they're doing. Yep. And, and reading it, like a way outside of the book, I was like, oh, like I'm doing this. It was a nice kind of gut check that I wasn't off base and I wasn't off course. It didn't pivot the way that I was writing, but it kind of gave me some reaffirmation that my voice isn't completely out of place for, yeah. for the genre that I'm writing in. There was value to you by doing that exercise, but you didn't, and my next question was like, and you kind of answer it, but you didn't feel like it overly influence your actual style of writing like you were like oh man i am now just writing a chuck palnick novel just you know under when i was name. a kid in my 20s that's what i did yeah but no this time was just kind of like it, am i doing it right especially i kept opening up um mr mercedes by king because i was really trying to get that that omniscient third that he uses yeah and um i love that narrative style and it was something i was striving for but when i read the book at first 
I didn't notice it. I know I didn't yeah. notice how how he had structured it and how the narrator was kind of wearing the skin of the character that he was identifying with at that moment. Yeah, you're not quite yeah. in their thoughts, but the narrator is a little bit influenced by or tainted by the character at any certain time, making it much more relatable for the reader. Um, so kind of analyzing that and making sure that I wasn't too far off base was was nice. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I I did do it a bit this time around. So an exercise I have not done, uh, like rewriting a chapter or a scene or whatever from an author I really like. Uh, I'm curious to give it a shot, but at the same time... I totally recommend it just because, one, yeah. it didn't take a lot of time. I think that was my concern because I was just like... Don't do a whole chapter. Just start with a paragraph or page paragraph. that you kind of like. Yeah. And think about how many times we like chatted and I was like, am I doing these dialogue tags right? You know, is my <laughs> yeah. formatting correct? I feel like going through that exercise could have saved me a lot of time leading up to my act too, because I had to go back and That's fix a, a bunch of stuff because yeah. there's the meat and potatoes aspect of it. In addition to voice, yeah. there's that kind of structure. So um, kind of moving along, there's other things that I came across. Um, there's tips, suggestions, whatever, mm. to help you kind of find your voice. And um, one was, uh, we've talked about this, um, writing about the things like you like and, and love or have a passion about because that will come through. Your interest and passion, that will come through and your own voice explaining that or talking about that topic will come through because mm -hmm. you're probably comfortable with it, which makes sense to me. I mean, we are, you and I are very, very much in writing directly in the camps of things that we really enjoy, Yeah, you know, and I think it comes and that ties back to like the, the reading the, the authors and, and within the genre, because, you know, you, we've talked about this before, but I've read a bunch of thrillers and where some points I'm like, ugh, this is boring. How do I, yeah. how do I kind of touch on being, having that, you know, detailed aspect, but not so much where I'm like, you know, so in the weeds where it's just like. Is this just a, a like a manual, <laughs> like a research manual? Yeah, uh, I feel like I did okay with that for this book, and like I kind of wanted that's something I want to maintain because I just I prefer to focus on like the brevity of the story and that moving along than being yeah. stuck in the weeds. So yeah, I totally agree, and I I think think about genre expectations. I struggle a little bit with with them in, in the horror genre because sometimes yeah. with some novels it's incredibly gratuitous, and I don't necessarily want to be incredibly gratuitous. Yeah. And sometimes it's overtly sexual and it's something I have absolutely no interest like interest in writing. I don't want to write those types of scenes. It, it doesn't do anything for me. It seems like yeah. sad and pathetic and <laughs> shoehorned in maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I get maybe they're writing for like teens, you know, single people that, or I don't know, married couples. I don't know what the audience <laughs> is, but it's it's not me. And it, it just lands like an absolute lead balloon. Yeah. yeah. And, and it really takes me. I think the worst thing I can say is that when those kind of genre tropes come through it completely takes me out of the experience and then i don't care about the story anymore i'm thinking about yeah. the author and why did they do this you yeah. know like it doesn't feel natural to the actual story and what's happening which is something i'm very conscious of like when when it comes to that moment but and then there's um, that fear right i'm not doing that i don't want to do that but i fall yeah. within a certain genre right is my voice betraying those genre expectations? Me personally, I don't think so. I mean, I think there's a certain point where like, yeah, there are genre expectations, but a part of finding your voice is like saying, again, going going through those things and what are the things that appeal to you? Like having yeah. a shoehorned in like love scene between the main characters just to have it, there's like, that doesn't appeal to me because it doesn't fit the story or it's not related to the story. Like everything should be tied to the story moving along. Like a fight scene and a sex scene should have the same level of like, 
you know, why is this happening? It's because mm-hmm. to service the story, to move it along and or just to service the story and show something like even a fight yep. scene needs to be just thought out as just as much like it can't just be something like, all right, cue action scene, you know? Right. And I think yeah, finding I those bits and pieces in the genres that you like and the things that you do or don't like and removing that, I think that's fine. I, I think that's part of it. Yeah, it's, it's part, of, part of honing your voice, right? So 100%, 100%. Yeah, re- I mean, reading definitely helps. Um, I'd say that's, I mean, it's definitely one of like the recurring tips. You want to find your voice, read a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you want to find your voice, write a lot. Um, I think some of it is like, when are you done? You know? Yeah. 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 Like, it, so you're journaling, you know, I don't know. You're writing scenes, you're writing short stories. Like, when have you found your voice? And I, I think that's maybe a, not a real question. I, I think it's your voice will probably evolve over time and, It'll that doesn't mean wait forever. Yeah. 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 I the still say, you, you know, create and capture the moment of, of who you are, if you're comfortable with that. As long as you are, you know, feeling like you're your authentic self, you're not wearing a mask. Part of me feels like finding your voice, especially if you're writing fiction that's maybe not in first person, mm-hmm. it's almost like finding your voices. I know there's an overarching approach to uh, storytelling, but there's also the individual character's perspectives. Like, and that's something yeah. I don't think I could have done in my 20s when I look back at that other book. And I think it's one of the reasons why I took such a strong narrative approach because the narrator was dictating the terms and explaining how characters were feeling. There wasn't a limited, you know, personal approach. Yeah. And now I look across, you know, the most recent novel and I hope each of the characters are unique and individual and that they're not interchangeable. Uh, yeah. And that, you know, the chapters that are dedicated to their kind of point of view sound different. Yep. So now it's like this collection of voices, you know? Yeah. Um, and what like literary devices I'm using to get across the, the uniqueness of each character. And yeah. that's a, a way that I think I've personally grown through this process, through writing, um, and honestly, through the edit. So I think there's finding your voice, and then there might be kind of editing it and cleaning it up, you know? It, it's not going to be pristine the first time it comes out. And I definitely fixed up a lot of characters and a lot of their dialogue, a lot of their kind of internal monologues in the yeah. edits. Yeah, likewise. I, I And I think that's something I'm still learning how to do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, early drafts, like I said this before, like all my characters were just flat and kind of, you know, variations of me, you know. Um, and it took in drafts and edits uh, and, you know, working with an editor to like really kind of give them some of their own voice. I feel like only one character kind of stands out amongst the rest of them, but like that, but that's my own thought. I think readers are seeing something different, which is great, but yeah, I still, that's something I can be better at. And something I think, I think we'll, that's great we'll though. I think it's of. a process, right? You're going to continue yeah. to find and hone your voice. hundred percent. Yeah. And there's a really great chance that once you feel like it's perfect, it'd be a boring book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I kind of want to get into talking about like like technique and style a little bit um and i think that's important because that's also part of finding your voice obviously you, you read a Cormac mccarthy book and you're like oh yeah this is Cormac mccarthy uh you read a stephen king book and you're like oh yeah this is a stephen king book but it's really mm-hmm. more about not even the genre like that it's just more about their style of writing um mm-hmm. their use of punctuation or or not at all or yeah uh, their cadence their word choice uh how they're breaking up even yeah i would even say even how they break up like scenes into paragraphs or you know sections or chapters i think is all part of like that little more next level nuance of like finding your voice but that's something i this is my opinion and 
I think that's something I've read that, uh, you know, a lot of authors have said, you really don't find your voice until like your third or fourth book. Wow. But I mean, that's like a general like thing that's out there. I don't know if that's true or not. Some people probably find it earlier than others. Um, but to me, like, like the style and technique, I could see that being the case, you know, like your third or fourth book, like how you're writing and like, you feel confident in your writing. Cause like usually the, the first book, like I want it to be is like, I want to make sure I'm doing all the correct things, formatting grammatically as best I can. Obviously I'm having a little liberties here and there. And I talked to my editor making sure like, Hey, is this okay for me to do? Uh, does this, you know, fit and I'm not forcing some new style that doesn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think I think that's that's kind of important as well as like picking your POV if you're writing all in first persons versus third person and you you kind of that all fits towards like your voice as kind of like the the nitty gritty level. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so this time around, mine was like a very straightforward narrative. You know, different POVs. You know, different manner of speaking for certain characters. But overarchingly, it was you know a character driven narrative. You know, within genre. As I'm planning the next book, I'm thinking about having different like formats of storytelling. So mm-hmm. I feel like it, it, since it's going to be a ghost story, I, I feel like in addition to the narrative, like the, the, the lore aspect could be good. So like journal entries or, yeah, you know, diaries or, you know, not necessarily newspaper articles because that always takes me out, yeah. but anything I can do to layer on. So, and I'm thinking about, you know, sure. adding that kind of to my, my voice or one of my voices, like, yeah. obviously it'll be completely different. It will stand out from the rest of the book. But like another tool, like another yeah. tool to, to, you know, I don't know yet. I'm still kind of pontificating. I've seen examples of it done. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd see like one, you know, I don't know if you've read House of Leaves by Mark. Uh, I Dude haven't, Belmosky. but I've heard it's um, wild. <laughs> like It's interesting. I got to go back and read it. It really, really super impressed me in my 20s, but I was really impressed by everything in my 20s. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> aren't we all? <laughs> but he certainly goes into like his narrative voice, I think is really at least the tools that he uses. There's a lot of gimmicks is the wrong term. Yeah, maybe just tools, but he has his narrative and then yeah. he has footnotes. Yeah. But the footnotes can mm-hmm. go on for like 10 or 15 pages. There's a whole separate story in the footnotes. It feels like it would drive me nuts. <laughs> I mean, at the time, it was one of the few books that actually got under my skin a little bit, yeah. especially the kind of like house element of it. Um, I, I want to go back and look at it again and, and find out why. Yeah. Um, and I think there is a disorienting moment. The whole book itself is a little bit about, you know, displacement of time and space and, you know, family. And I think the narrative is confusing enough that it, it works both ways. The narrative's yeah. hitting you and then the the voice and the formatting is hitting you. Yeah. And he does stuff where like certain words will be colored, like house will be blue. Yeah, yeah. And then you get further in the book and words will be formatted to kind of go vertically up the page in like a little spiral or something or upside yeah. down or whatever else. So like yeah. you look like you're ridiculous reading this book. So I don't want to go obviously like that deep in, but as I'm thinking about developing my voice further... And, and different storytelling techniques yeah. and ones that I think could benefit from the type of story I'll be telling. I'm thinking about, you know, layering in some journal entries. That's kind of interesting. I think um, I'm thinking along the lines of, you know, the genre I'm writing in, which is, I mean, the next two books I'm working on are definitely squarely in like the thriller category, techno thriller category, less sci- sci-fi. Um, and then I've got one that's going to be all sci-fi and I got another one that's going to be really sci- science fiction, you know? Yeah. But I think for the thrillers, I'm like, I don't think I can, I, I would be very cautious with trying to do anything really experimental within that unless if again, if, unless it fit the story I'm telling and made sense to it. But like, 
I could see like maybe throwing in like a police report or something maybe in as mm. a chapter like, okay, that is fitting to the, that's, you know, I, I'm sure some books have done that, but you know what I mean? Like that would be something that would be fitting to the genre. And if maybe it might be another layer of interest for a reader to come across something like that for a full, you know, for some people dig it. I, I don't love it so much. Like yeah. King did it in Carrie and then okay. Nick Cutter um, kind of mimicked it in the troop. Yeah. And um, it takes me out of it because yeah. it's, it's so far away from the characters. There's like an objective view, like a political editorial view sometimes. I buy that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but I could see for world building, especially for something like espionage or something, I think it would be a great tool. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, it's, I mean, now I'm like thinking, like I'm just thinking about that. I think my, one of my big tenets of, for, for writing and something like I enjoy, and I think it comes through like my, the Ready Player One and some other books I've read is like, I, I really enjoy like a good pacing. Like, I like a pace, mm. like a pace that keeps moving. And that's one thing I've like, uh, a lot of people who have read hosts have given me compliments on. They're like, yeah, the pacing is great. And it's like the chapters are nice and tight and short. And like, I want to read the next one. I'm like, that's the best comment I could have gotten. Cause that was something I was, I was cognizant of. I was aware of that. I wanted to do, cause I wanted it to be, I want you to keep moving. And I want you to keep reading. Mm. Um, and I don't want you to get stuck. So I think like now thinking about it, yeah, throwing in something different into the book would just throw off that pacing, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do. Like I don't, that, that would ruin the pacing that I want to establish. Cause once you, once it starts going, like I want people to be like, okay, we're, we're, we're cranking here. I like this, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I think it, it also, again, I think it comes back to the genre expectation of like, I don't know if that would maybe like, maybe the hardcore like thriller readers would be into something like that. But I also yeah. think stuff like that is good for, maybe outside marketing of the book. Like, hey, here's this free thing. Here's a police report I wrote up or here's more. I mean, King does it to great effect in some of his books, right? And I think it fits quite well. I mean, he's so good at building for the books where he builds out towns. You know, he builds out multiple characters who aren't mains, but give town the town this flavor and this authenticity and this reality. And then the newspaper reports or police reports or newspaper, whatever, whatever he's using works because it's building a a space. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes it feel real and lived in. And then when like the trauma begins to happen and, you know, we lose some of these characters that we've kind of known, yeah. it feels more effective. Yeah. So, I mean, this great conversation about finding your voice and I'm still now making me think more about how I'm going to find my voice even further. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I, I feel like I found it since the beginning of this episode. Now I feel like I've really found it. Um, but I, I, like coming back to like kind of wrapping up all these, these, these thoughts is just, I think some of the key things is one, you know, being consistent with with what you're doing. Um, obviously, reading constantly, whenever whatever genre you're in, and, and again, pulling the things that you like and don't like, even outside um, of genre, I'd say, right? I think that's 100%. okay. Yep, agreed, agreed, and 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 I think, uh, and obviously, just keep writing because, like, you gotta you gotta keep writing because that's how you get there. That's how you find it. That's how you find your style and, and everything else, everything that appeals to you. Um, and I'd say the actually the most important thing of all of those would be. Don't put pressure on yourself to find your voice. Um, I feel like I haven't, because I, 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 like I came into it so much later. Um, but yeah, now now thinking about it, it's like a for the next couple of books, don't I don't want to put pressure on myself because then it'll yeah. come across as inauthentic and won't be genuine, and people will will see that immediately as soon as you start reading it. So I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the more pressure you put on yourself, you're completely right. The the, the less authentic you're going to come across, and the harder it's going to be to write. Like you yeah. don't want to fashion some fake faux voice that's not really you it should be you and if you have anything to if there's a reason for writing it's to share your own perspective and your own voice yes so then there's no good reason to wear somebody else's or or try and be something you're not um one i don't think it'll be fun 
to write. And two, I don't think it'll be fun to read because it'll come through that it's not authentic. It's not yeah. who you are. Unless you're not writing for fun and <laughs> you're just trying to make a dollar. Ugh. Then just throw it in an AI generator <laughs> and call it a day. Sell it on the internet for a dollar. I mean, okay. talk about voice, right? I mean, a, a small aside, but we're approaching a um, crisis of narrative voice as we <laughs> see these AI books coming, right? Yeah. yeah. As, I, as I, the words were coming out of my mouth, I was just thinking the same thought. It's like, what are you going to get? You're going to get this or mashup like a low of content like, books or, you know, yeah. folks that throw it into chat GPT and then rewrite it a little bit, you know, and that's um, disgusting and despicable and yeah, not art. Good stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. So... I think we're done with that. What do you what have you been reading and watching? So for reading, I finished up um, Little Children by Parada. He's the guy that wrote Leftovers. It was great. Really yep. enjoyed it. Yep. And now I'm in the middle of, I'm kind of back into comps as I'm researching uh, ghost stories. Finished up the M.R. James stuff and I, I'm in the middle of Richard Matheson's Hell House. Yep. He had written I Am Legend and um, a few other things. He went on to be a screenwriter in his own right. Um, I enjoyed I Am Legend. I am not enjoying hell house i think some people might but it's um such a repetition of first person pronouns or just pronouns and i don't know it's very like she did this she did that she did this she did that yeah. and i it might be like a literary device he's trying to use to get panic across and fear but it's not landing and, yeah. and there's no like cadence to it so um like i'm very aware of what the filmic tropes are for haunted house movies and ghost stories over the years yeah i'm less aware about literary examples so i'm trying to do my research um and right now it's just hard to keep track of it's like the platter flew and the clock fell over and the chair tipped over and it's all that like poltergeisty type stuff it, it's confusing and and it, it's not landing particularly well there's some yeah. dread in this book that i kind of like but overall, overall, I'll say that I'm I'm not enjoying it, and I'm really surprised I'm not enjoying it. It's got such a killer title, you know, Hell House. You know, yeah, it's I mean, like, oh my god, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, so much so that they've made movies um, that have nothing to do with this book. That are like Hell House LLC. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not loving it, but I'm gonna keep plugging through. On deck, I've got um, Haunting of Hill House, which I just kind of want to read, and then not, I think I'm gonna be not done the Haunting with of Hell House. Not the haunting of hell. No, that's that's what I'm going through. Um, and then I think I'm done with comps. Yeah. I mean, comps is wrong. I think I'm done with research is what I'm going to say, because they're not comps. Like, it, it, they're like historic. I wanted to make sure that I had a pretty good good exposure to historic ghost stories that had come before. Yep. Um, and I'd read a lot of the gothic ones in the past, and the kind of 1970 ones are like, they're, they're new to me. So yeah, yeah. that's where I am. I'm not loving it. It's funny. I was like, I'm like, I want to write in this genre and everything I've read. Right. In it, I don't like. <laughs> hey, just pull the pieces that appeal to you, right? That's all, that's yeah. all you need. Ghost in the house. I, there you go. <laughs> I feel pretty comfortable with my approach and my voice that I'm going to take with this next one, but it, yeah. it's not on display in any of the comps that I'm that I'm reading. So yeah, yeah. Um, watching nothing much. Nothing yeah. worth chatting about. Some anime, some Netflix yeah. stuff. Really, no great movies that have stuck out. How about you? Yeah, well, I'll go with the watching thing because honestly, I haven't watched anything other than bad movies for the other podcast. Um, there's nothing been, I've been, you know, cranking through the Yellowstone thing still, but again, I feel like mm. that's just like, I don't know. I, I feel like I should have a bag of chips and just like, well, got another problem with the ranch, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like I was, I'm watching like, like The Witcher and I'm <laughs> like, this is just junk food. 
Yeah, season three. In fact, I can't even watch. I'm on my treadmill watching it because I'm like, this is so not productive. I didn't. I have to do something. I didn't finish (laughs) season three of The Witcher. I was just like, I I started the first couple. I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know who's who anymore. I forgot this whole thing. (laughs) And by the way, your sum up is ten minutes long. I still don't know what's going on. Yeah. But yeah, like I haven't been watching anything. Honestly, the only thing I've enjoyed. I I mentioned this like two episodes ago. Was I've been watching Letterkenny. You know the. just it, that's just fun and it's light it's 30 minutes and it doesn't take up my entire time but in super uh, rooted in voice and approach right yeah yep <laughs> yep um so yeah and honestly no, i haven't watched anything i'm trying to get back into a movie movie night once a week but it, that's kind of falling falling apart um reading i uh finished uh darkness take my hand by dennis lehane i really enjoyed it um i'm gonna just i'm, I'm enjoying his writing i'm gonna stick with just reading through his his greatest hits i think and uh, continuing with this series, uh, crime, crime thriller type type stuff, all in first person, but uh, takes place. I think um, I'm pretty sure all of his stories take place in Boston because he's homegrown. But uh, but yeah, so I, I'll continue reading his stuff, uh, picking away at it here and there. I'm almost done with Dune Messiah. It's only like 288 pages, but for some reason I've had a hard time going like finishing this book. Uh, yeah. It's a bit of a slog. It feels like it could have been like cut down, just been an epilogue to Dune, <laughs> um, but. I, I still, in, but I still enjoy what it's doing uh, to to the whole the series and Paul and you know the Trades family. Um, I'll probably finish that either today or tomorrow. And then I started uh, this book, a thriller, Orphan X by Greg Hurwitz. I'm only like a couple chapters in. I'm not even sure what what the <laughs> what we're doing. Um, obviously, this guy's an orphan and he's a you know the cleaner he's the best at the job he can do whatever you know kind of guy yeah um, kind of character he's probably actually he is a silhouetted character in the front of the book the literally a silhouetted guy in the front so it's very squarely in the thriller genre and is definitely ticking off all of the boxes of detailed information that uh yeah some people get really excited about that me i'm kind of like you can just cut some of this out and just tell me really briefly what's going on we don't need all the details but that's me and after that, I got a bunch of other things just queued up. Salem's Lot, I got in there, and I got the is it the Gods of whatever the the Viking book series. I'm gonna pick up book two again. But yeah, it's been it. It's been pretty much it. And then you know, obviously, just working on my own stuff. So trying to. But yeah, so that's it. I think we're we're right. done. We're done here, right? We found our voices. We found it. We're back. We're back. We found our voices. We're gonna keep them this time. Where are we where are we gonna do? Uh, so yeah, that's our episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. What are we gonna do next time? What are we talking about next next episode? I think kind of continuing the idea of voice, right? Where we're we gonna do similes and metaphors. Metaphors and similes. Metaphors and similes. similes. I don't know how to say it like that, like a professor. <laughs> Metaphor. Today's topic is metaphors <laughs> and similes. Open your books to chapter fifteen and read in silence. Ah, uh, yeah, that's what we're gonna do. It's gonna be. <laughs> It's going to be just as fun. We'll do the whole episode in those accents. I love it. So, yeah, that's going to be awesome. So, uh, stick around for that. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and know someone who will like it, you should send it along to them. You can follow us on Instagram at Writer Syndrome Books. Tim is actually doing some posting on there. I love it. He's Let's go. doing a better job than I am because I was I don't know what I'm doing. We're on Twitter still at Writer underscore Syndrome. We're on YouTube. You can find us there. That's a fun place. You can throw comments and likes and all that, that sort of thing. Otherwise, you can find all of our episodes. Contact info if you're a writer or anyone who wants to talk about writing. Well, maybe not anyone. You need to have some credentials, right? Maybe. I don't know. Anybody. Yeah, anybody. Forget it. <laughs> anybody. Just come on. Let's talk about writing. Find your voice. Yeah, find, find your voice here, <laughs> and I'll edit it. Uh, but you can find all the information at writersyndrome.com.